Hi, welcome to Popcorn Takes, a pop culture podcast about movies, media, books, etc. I'm your host, Marsha. Hi, and I'm your other host, Mike. Today we're going to be going over Roxanne, a 1987 movie starring Steve Martin. It was nominated in 1988 for a Golden Globe in the category of Best Actor in a Movie or in a Musical or Comedy. Uh, we will go over a quick synopsis first that is spoiler free for anybody who wants to hear about the movie without knowing everything about the movie. Very important. Spoiler free. You have an opportunity to hear our review. And if you want to take a minute to watch the movie, you can. And we'll be giving it a rating system. Um, our rating system will be based on popcorn. So uh, we'll start with the quick intro. Um but first, we'll talk about how we selected this movie. I am a longtime fan of Steve Martin. I loved him in Father of the Bride. I love him currently in Only Murders in the Building. And um, when I was talking to my husband, Mike, about it, I was telling him how goofy and wholesome Steve Martin was to me. And I just love all 1980s cinema. As a child of the 80s, it's a flashback to my youth, so I love 80s films, and this one reeks of the 80s. That's right. Uh, even the intro screen is very 80s. It has the um, hot pink 80s font going on. It's it's good. It What struck me on the intro screen, though, that was really funny is that um, it's had that uh, pink and blue sky background, like of a, a pretty sunset. But it reminded me of something that's kind of more current, and I guess I don't I don't know if I'd say millennial. But it also struck me that millennial pink it was so ubiquitous for a while, and is very close to the '80s hot pink. I mean, they're not exactly the same, but they're pretty close in nature. Yeah, it also has Daryl Hannah. Yes, uh, and Shelley Duvall. Yep. All right, so for a quick synopsis, um, the movie is based off of uh, the 1897 French uh, poem. Is it a poem? I think it is a poem. Uh, about Cyrano, um, and I'm going to murder the, the whole name, Cyrano de Bergerac, I oh, think. You nailed it. Oh, good. Okay. Um, Cyrano is a guy with a very large nose and um, considers himself to be kind of unattractive. Um, and he falls in love with a girl and she is in love with the handsome stranger. Yeah. Uh, so this is a play on that. Our main character is not Cyrano, our main character is Charlie. And he is a fire chief. Um, the object of his affection is Roxanne, right. who is Roxanne in the original as well. And in this, the handsome man is Chris, uh, which is uh, Christian in the original. So it is pretty close. And also Steve Martin has um, a comically large nose in this edition as well. He does. And you know what they say about the size of a man's nose? <laughs> he uses a lot of Kleenex. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, it is the trope um, that started it all. Cyrano is. Um, so uh, Roxanne follows that very closely. Um, it is the 
pretty girl who wants the handsome guy but falls in love with the witty and nice, sweet um, man that she is unaware she's falling in love with. And then uh, in this rendition, hijinks ensue because it is a comedy and it does star Steve Martin. And I think we have to point out that since this is a year that Top Gun, the sequel, Maverick, is up for a uh, Oscar, uh, and the love interest is played by Rick Rosevich, which is Slider from the original Top Gun. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, so. oh, that's interesting. Yep. All right. So um, we are now at the end of our quick synopsis um what would you give roxanne oh again i like all of the 80s mishmash upon itself in this movie um again you've got you've got daryl hannah who is you know famous for her splash opening scene again kind of pulling off a quasi splash opening scene with this right and she was always easy on the eyes back in the 80s um I, I, I'd argue she still is. In, yeah, you're probably in right. In Kill Bill, she was still a looker. I didn't know she was in Kill Bill. She's the the eye patch. The lady that ends up getting her eye taken out by Beatrix. Okay, so for the listeners, I stopped watching things probably about 2000. So You watched this movie, though. I, I did, but sometimes I don't pay attention. So this, this is going to also be an education for me in all things pop culture, <laughs> movies, media. So, um, I, yeah, if that's the case, then absolutely. Um, I would tell you I enjoyed the movie, and as a confession, I saw this movie in a theater <laughs> for the first time when I saw it. So I was shocked when you told me you had never seen it before. Well, I was also a toddler. Well, I, I know, but being a Steve Martin fan, there's plenty of Steve Martin stuff out there you've that's, seen. That's true. That, uh, that, that you know, obviously has been my favorite Steve Martin is father of the bride. Yeah. And I was, I looked back on some of that stuff to, to kind of research for this podcast. And, um, I didn't realize that he was 46 when he was playing the father where his daughter is getting married. And I was like, wow, that is young. (laughs) And then I had to think about it. And I think my dad was 46 when we got married. Although my dad was a young dad. I, he was only 22 when I, when he had me. Um, so, uh, it, it just, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Well, I, I would definitely, I would give this movie a four out of five popcorns. I agree. I, I enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed it. It, it, it definitely is a, uh, kind of stuck in time, if you will. Um, but I think so much of what is in the film kind of carries through. It can be a little slapstickish at mm-hmm. times, but it's still funny. It's an enjoyable watch, um, from date night to just if you're like 80s lore. I mean, again, it, it's, it's still a funny movie. Steve Martin's funny. He's, you know, again, he's latest Hulu, the murders and the only murders in the building. Yeah. Again, I I think if you're familiar with some of his later work, you know, to go back and watch some of this stuff and, you know, it's not as slapsticky as the jerk in some of his earlier items, but you know, as a famous SNL alum, I think he's, uh, he's very funny in the movie. So I would definitely rate it as a watch if you're a fan of that genre. 
I would also give it a four. Um, I think it could have been knocked up to a five for me if there had been a little bit more of the tugging on the heartstrings. There's not a lot of that when it comes to this man who's, you know, gone his whole life being made fun of for his large nose. Um, and, and I think that if they had leaned a little bit more into that side of things, it could have knocked it up for me. Um, you said that it is kind of stuck in time. What's funny about that is that although there are aspects of it that definitely are stuck in time, um, I didn't think that it was one of those um, movies where you watch it and you're like, ugh, like the jokes are awful. They're like extremely sexist or they're extreme, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it wasn't too bad. There were a couple lines here and there that I did think were like, not great. But other than that, uh, I didn't think it was too bad for nope. an 87 movie. Nope, worth a watch. Yeah. All right, so the non-spoiler edition is over and we are going to get more into detail now. Although just as a point of procedure, I feel like if we're not reviewing something, if, if we are reviewing something more than five years old, I feel like that's sort of the statue of limitations on spoilers. Yeah. So like if you don't know at that point, like, you know, Oops, if it spoils something for you, but you probably should have watched it already. I mean, it is a 34-year-old movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> anyway. All right. So, um, so we open with Steve Martin, and the movie does uh, this... The whole beginning sequence is doing a really, I guess, trying really hard not to show you his large nose, which I thought was funny because, like, the whole movie is based on that. Everybody who went into the movie knew his character was going to have a large nose. So, anyways. Do you think people really went into that knowing it? Yeah. Like, I wonder how many people, though, actually understand how close to the original like poem and thing they tried to keep this movie right but i think that people i mean i'd have to look at a trailer from 1987 to see but i thought that the whole like premise of the movie and the whole thing to draw people in was that steve martin has a very large nose and he wants to get the girl you know that kind of thing yeah but so he's um walking down a street i'm guessing he's walking to work no, he's walking to Dixie's, that's right. Um, his his friend's cafe. And, um, but he's walking down the street, he's holding a tennis racket. Um, and he runs into these two guys who are clearly dressed for summer. <laughs> and they are holding snow skiing gear. It's kind of one of those movie flaws that if you watch things carefully, I think sometimes you can pick up on where it, the continuity isn't quite there. So it, it was very funny to me to see people dressed for golf carrying ski equipment. Yes. <laughs> I, it just, it made no sense. I thought they were I thought they were dressed for tennis because like they're wearing like the polo shirts I, and shorts. Maybe. Because I, I don't think I see many men dressed for golf and shorts. And, and, and everybody else, no, I don't think anybody else really throughout the movie is wearing shorts. Is wearing shorts. 
Well, we do see later in the movie, uh, it's supposed to be a couple scenes, like maybe like a week or two later, that it is Oktoberfest. Yes. So it should be in early Pacific, October. In, but in a Pacific mountain town in the Northwest, I don't think that's shorts and polo weather. Yeah, so. I don't know. <laughs> but assuming that this is late September when he runs into them, I still, I don't know. But yes, Pacific Northwest is the vibe that I got right off the bat. I don't yeah. think they ever specifically say it, but... Oh, they do? Okay. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, he gets in a fight with these guys because <laughs> they make fun of his nose. and um, Thematic throughout, everybody that makes fun of his nose, it ends in a, in a, in a violent confrontation with CD or Charlie. Yes. And he um, beat them up with the tennis racket that we learn just a scene later is not his tennis <laughs> racket. And I immediately thought... I would never lend him my tennis racket again because he returns it with blood on it. (laughs) Uh, But Dixie, uh, his friend and the owner of the cafe... Shelly Duvall. Yes. Does not seem to mind. Um, And uh, let's see. Well, So we learn pretty quickly that Charlie is the fire chief um, and that his uh, employees are extremely incompetent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Providing the... uh... comedic relief throughout is the incompetent fire department. And they never stated outright, but my guess is, is that some of them are volunteer fire. Well, yeah, because they have the mayor and the guy that runs, the creepy guy runs the shop. Yes, the creepy guy. (laughs) you know, I I think throughout it's, it's, you know, and that's the whole premise of, of hiring, you know, the upcoming, I call him Rick, I know, um, what was his name in the film? Who? Uh, The Love Interest. Wait, oh, Chris. Chris. Yeah, the whole premise of hiring Chris was to... Uh, get somebody with skill. Get somebody with skill, right? So here, come, here comes the skilled fireman who turns out to be, you know, this hunk. Yeah. That, you know, immediately all the women in town are smitten with. Yes. So Charlie is at the fire station. We learn that his, his people are incompetent. And then um, a, a woman, a very gorgeous blonde-haired woman, is uh, feeding her cat and... Or trying to get her cat to come back inside, and um, she gets uh, locked out, and also just by chance, she's naked. Well, her robe is caught in the door. It can happen to anybody. I've, I've had that happen three or four times here at the house. Oh yeah, so often. <laughs> so she listen. If you're in an 80s movie and you're wearing nothing but a robe and your pet is outside, I would tell you there's a 50-50 shot you're going to end up naked in the movie. So um, she ends up uh, skedaddling her way to the fire station and manages to get Charlie's attention while hiding behind a bush that um, she needs help getting back into her house. No pun intended. And that she is also naked. Um, and she men- he mentions something about getting her a coat and she says, oh no, I'm fine or something in a very sarcastic manner. <laughs> and he takes her, I'm not sure now if he was actually taking her literally or he was taking the opportunity to have her continue to be naked. Yes, I, would, it, I think the point was the latter. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so she continues to be naked and um, when they get to the house, he parkours up into her house to be able to get uh, into an open window, uh, which I thought was very impressive and also weird. <laughs> so so we're supposed to be impressed with Charlie that he is a very witty and, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, 
Um, when somebody, you know the word I'm looking for. When somebody is... I don't know the word. <laughs> when you're in a tight spot and you need somebody that comes up with something on the fly to help you out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the irony is not lost. I know. Well, whatever. Um, so, uh, so we're supposed to be impressed with Charlie. Um, and he is affable and, and, and all the all the things. He is also impressed with Roxanne when they get to talking because she is very intelligent. She's an astronomer and she's working on a big project. Um, so which uh, kind of fits her age. There, there was a sizable age gap, I believe, between her and Steve Martin in this movie as well. Um, she, I think Daryl Hannah was only, was in her twenties in this movie. Yeah. And I think I looked it up. He was 41 yeah. in this movie. So, so um, uh, so we did, we talked, we discussed Chris, the new guy comes, um, and he's uh, very hunky and, and all that. And Roxanne is out at the local bar with Dixie and, um, they're talking with the bartender. I have her name down here somewhere because they end up being all friends together. What is her name? Sandy. Oh, Sandy. So, um, immediately, uh, Roxanne takes notice of Chris, um, the creepy guy, and his name was Chuck. Chuck. The creepy guy comes over and tries to hit on Roxanne, but he's extremely Immediately creepy. shot down. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and we see that, you know, uh, Roxanne and Chris are making eyes at each other. They're making eyes at each other. And all of a sudden, Chris runs out of the bar. And it's this very weird run. And I immediately I was like, what is wrong with him? And then he goes and he throws up. Yeah, very phobic of talking to the fairer sex. Yes, yes. Uh, so it is uh, setting us up nicely for our uh, conflict here. Um, oh, we mentioned the mayor real quick. Um, the mayor is Fred Willard. Yeah, Fred Willard. Phil's dad from Modern Family. I know, he's been in so many things. It's, yes. I think it's, like in hundreds of, of different movies and, and sitcoms and TV shows. So, do you think that's the ideal actor life to be like a character actor in in lots of stuff, have steady work, but never be so famous nope. that one people... thing, one thing. What? Luke Skywalker. I mean, like Mark Hamill. Oh, have... you think it's better to have just yeah, one big one thing, thing? One thing you're that lives in infamy. Oh, I think it's probably better to be like a consistent. Who knows who Fred Willard is really a lot, unless you. Okay, but that's the good thing. You think? Yeah. I don't know. I'd rather be rich than famous. Oh well, I think Mark Hamill's probably both. Okay. Do you think Mark Hamill had more money than Fred Willard? I have no idea. Okay. Maybe. Interesting. Anyways, um, so, <laughs> um. Everybody in town seems to love Charlie, and it's probably because he's the fire chief. Yes. And maybe it's because he grew up there or um, he, he's lived there for a long time, but everybody knows him. Everybody seems to love him. And then we are in another bar scene where um, this guy comes up to uh, Charlie and says, mm, you got a big nose. <laughs> Something very like, 
not even consequential, but it's one of those things where Charlie can't let it stand and everybody immediately stops because everybody knows Charlie is sensitive about his nose. But, you know, uh, it's one of those things where he just can't let it slide. He can't let this guy just get away with it. But so it becomes a contest between him and the guy. He's like, all right, throw a dart on the dartboard and whatever number you hit, I will give you that many number better insults than what you just gave me. Yes. And uh, the guy happens to be a pretty good dart player and hits 20 twice. Yeah, two or three times. <laughs> yeah. So, um, He's like, dart champions, Denver. So, Charlie um, ends up insulting himself with 20 inventive insults about his nose that were better than the guy's insults. And the guy ends up somehow, instead of laughing at himself about being stupid about it, he gets offended. I don't understand that, but that's what happens. And so then he goes to attack Charlie and Charlie ends up knocking him out. So... I like the one where he says, laugh and the world laughs with you sneeze and it's goodbye Seattle. <laughs> How does it feel to be able to wake up in the morning and smell the coffee in Brazil? What's funny is, 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 is when I watch, I still remember so many of those lines from that. That might be my favorite scene in the whole movie. It's, it's a good scene. I mean. What's um, interesting about that is that like, uh, so later um, when Chris finally meets um, when Chris finally meets Charlie, because they hadn't really met before this, um, Chuck was the one showing Char- Chris around. Um, oh, I think I'm skipping ahead, aren't I? That's okay, because I want to finish up the bar scene here. I, fi- I here It's a point in the movie I find interesting, because I, f- again, just sort of... Uh, where there's a little bit of character conflict for me in it. Me too. How do you... To be that... To be able to, to joke about yourself like that and have everybody in the bar be on your side, but then also be so sensitive as to want to fight everybody, I found that to be a little bit contentious in, in Charlie's character. Like, it, it would seem to me if you could joke about something like that, I would, wouldn't think you would be that, especially if you've got the support of all the people. Like, obviously, everybody in the town loves him. Yeah, I mean, that's what my notes were, and that's what I was getting to, is that... I didn't read your notebook. No, I know. Um, <laughs> that's what I was getting to as well. That's why I kind of skipped ahead, is that when Chris... Um, Charlie is under the impression that Roxanne well, likes that, him. And, and Yeah. And is falling in love with him. Um, and so he's over the moon about it. And right. so when he, he finally does meet Chris, Chris says something about his nose and he doesn't get offended about it. Right. Because he's, it's a good day. <laughs> it's so weird. He needs the validation of a woman in order to feel like a man. And then Chuck comes back in, creepy Chuck comes back in and says, so you finally got a sense of humor <laughs> about your nose. And then uh, immediately Charlie is ready to fight him. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, if you can joke about your nose like that in the bar, you know that the town loves you and supports you. I, I was the same. I had the same feeling. Why are you so sensitive to any little slight, especially a stupid one where somebody says, you got a big nose. You know, like, okay. I can understand being sensitive about it. But um, I mean, again, I guess it's just the, the drum up funny scenes in the movie. I get it. 
But I, I was with you. That didn't make really sense with his character. We're probably overanalyzing an 80s movie, would that? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but what are we here for if not for an overanalyzing? Um, so Chris, obviously, we know can't talk to women. He's a total himbo. Um, he has not got a lot going on upstairs, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and he only really cares that Roxanne is pretty. Um, oh, what am I, what are my notes here? See? Oh, um, so anyways, uh, at some point, Charlie finds out that it's Chris that, oh, it's because Roxanne and him have a conversation and Rox, Roxanne tells him yeah, that Chris, Chris is the one that she's thinks she's falling in love with. Right. Which is silly because she's never had a conversation with the man. She's only laid eyes on him a couple of times. Um, and... Um, That's movie magic. You got to speed the plot along. Yeah. So, um, so now Charlie's a little bit down in the dumps about it. And um, Chris comes to him and asks him for help with Roxanne. And uh, Charlie's advice to him is to write her a letter. And he just kind of, you know, says, okay, well, just, if you can't talk to her, just write her a letter. And so then later, Chris comes over to Charlie's house and he's got the letter that he's written her. And it is literally a letter that just says, uh, do you like me? Check, Check yes, yes or, or no. no. <laughs> And he's like, I worked so hard uh, on this letter. I was like, you can't possibly. I think of the old country song. Do you love Yes. Do- but he can't possibly think that that's hard work, can he? Maybe. I mean, that's kind of insane. Um, so, uh, so, of course, Charlie starts trying to give him prompts, trying to draw out his creative writing. The guy has no creative writing. And when... <laughs> When Charlie asks him, how did you feel when you first saw her? He said, horny. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, okay. So he's honest. He's a total himbo. Well, listen, he's not the first person to see Daryl Hannah and think that. Well, okay. I'll give him that. But it, but you got to go beyond that. Even if that's oh, yeah. the first thought. Yeah. yeah, especially, you know, her character's supposed to be this, you know, super bright astrophysicist type right. person. So, um, of course, Charlie ends up writing the letters for, um, for Chris and, um, Chris ends up having, um, a panic attack thinking about going on a date with Roxanne. And this actually made me feel a little bit bad for him because like the whole, like, yes, he is, he, he's a little dim. But um, the idea of being like so anxious about something that you give yourself a panic attack, I like that made me feel for him. Um, and I don't know if in the I don't know if in the eighties it was played up for laughs, but for me, I just I felt bad for Chris in that moment. That's probably the only time in the entire movie that I felt bad for him. Um, and then uh, so what ends up happening is the thing that always ends up happening is that. Charlie ends up feeding lines to Chris. In a very comical manner. Yes. Um, and of course... Uh, I like it when he says he's a pointer. I'm a, I was a pointer. And so he's he's feeding him lines and he's... Um, oh, they. Oh, this is on their first date. He feeds him lines twice, doesn't he? Yeah. Okay, so on their first date, 
thing. He goes to the house with this hat on to cover the like earpiece because yep. he's getting fed lines. The hunter. The he's the hunter. <laughs> he's the hunter. And she's like, am I the prey? <laughs> <laughs> very cheesy. It was very cheesy. Um, and then, of course, the hijinks ensue. In my, probably one of my favorite parts is like... <laughs> They get radio interference from the police. Yeah. And so he starts saying the things that the police are saying instead of saying the things that a Charlie is saying. So it makes no sense. It's really, it's really comical. I liked it very much. Um, she note so then at some point in time, okay, so that was the beginning. And then um, at some point during that whole exchange, he takes his hat off. They're outside, and um, she's she's gone inside because he t- he said some. What did he say about her breast? He said melons. She, yes, yeah, she, she had nice melons. <laughs> you got nice melons, and she's like super offended and goodbye, and goes inside and locks the door. And then um, he's still trying to like woo her, and so um, Char- Charlie's. Uh, and Charlie's like, throw something at the window. It start, stop yelling, throw something at the window. And he throws... Another classic movie trope where they haul off and chuck a rock through the window. Yes, instead of like a little pebble that just yeah. like tinkles on the glass, he breaks the window. And then, um, then at some point in time, Chris just cannot handle the, being fed lines. And so he just puts his, his hat and his shirt or his jacket on Charlie and tells Jar- Charlie to just do it. And she notices that his voice is different, but then um, believes his excuse about uh, him being down below her or whatever. And it's, whatever. Uh, This is where I had the note about Oktoberfest. So clearly all that other stuff happened probably in late September. Yeah. So, um, Roxanne and um, Chris, I guess, are kind of... I don't know. She's got to leave for, um, she's working on a project that's about a comet. And so she's got to leave to go to Arizona for this project, um, that has to do with the comet. And, um, she asks Charlie to tell Chris to write her while she's gone. Yep. And Charlie does not tell her or he does not tell Chris. Right. And, um, in the next scene, we see that Chris doesn't seem to have a problem talking to the bartender, Sandy. Well, I think they shared a, a, a vibe. It, yes. It's almost, right? So that's almost the setup for the happy ending, right? right? Here's this guy that can never talk to women, but he finds the one woman he can talk to. Yes. And, you know, I, I think that's that gives him the out. Sandy's a little sus in this whole thing because she is friends with Roxanne. And she does say, oh, I probably shouldn't be talking to you. Yep. And he's like, we're just talking. We're just talking. We're just talking. <laughs> Famous last words from a lake. We're just talking. <laughs> so, um, so she's a little sus because it's clear that they have more than just talking going on while Roxanne is. Well, I think, I think there's definitely chemistry. Whereas okay. with, with Roxanne, there was never any chemistry. It was just right. all sort of farce. Yeah. So Charlie's writing letters to Roxanne this whole time. Chris doesn't know about it. Um, and uh, uh, at some point in time, Roxanne comes back. 
Um, Charlie is in the middle of writing another letter to her and Dixie realizes what's going on. Well, she comes back early. Yeah, but Dixie, but before she comes back early, Charlie's in Dixie's cafe writing the right, letter. Right, And Dixie's like she, snooping she around. Realizes, yeah, she realizes. She recognizes what's going on. And, and she's always hinted throughout that Charlie should just step up and tell Roxanne how he feels yes. throughout the movie. I mean, she's been pushing him to be like, hey, you need to tell her how you feel. You, you know, this isn't this isn't necessarily right so she gives just the little nudge well i think even in the beginning she's wanted she's thought that they were a better match yes she did but um so chris has a date with roxanne um because she's back in town and charlie tries to intervene because chris doesn't know about the letters that's right um and then he reveals that he wrote her 20 letters in six days. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it's funny because now those would be text messages, right? That right. would be text. That would, You know, even even we're, we've moved beyond the letter writing and the email to, to that. That would be the equivalent of just texting this girl you like constantly. Right, but I think that 20 letters, even in the 80s, would have been excessive. Oh, uh, no doubt. Like, six would have been a lot, but at least one a day, like I understand. Leave a little mystery. Yeah, yeah, but 20 is like, what? And it, it is, it is a Three long. a day plus two extra. <laughs> I just... I wonder what, like, what was he saying? They haven't known each other for that long. I, I mean, she reads one section where he's talking about something, but I, yeah, they haven't known each but other. But I mean, it's long. like these ancient, or, or like, you know, old English love that, oh, how I love thee, your hair yeah, is yeah, like I the moon. Like, I, I know. Do, do women like that? <sighs> um, I think that, uh, again, 20 is excessive. And I think that, like, maybe, but definitely not, like... Is that what you want your next Valentine's Day to say? <laughs> I did enjoy when you used to write me little notes. <laughs> your, your eyes are like the stars, and um, I see well, the twinkle. I mean, whatever. But um, the point is, is, like, um, this early... Note on, to self, she <laughs> wants love letters next Valentine's Day. But this... Okay, but we've been together... 20. ...for a long time. Um, <laughs> the point is, is that this is very early on, this would freak me out. Would freak most people <laughs> out. I, that, that, that's, that's, that, and that, that's my point. It's almost like, you know, the person that just texts. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like, you go out and, like, you know, they're texting you three, four, five times a day. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the kids do these days, right? I don't... We were joking about that the other day. You know, I don't know anything about, like, the concept of dating from apps is completely foreign to me which is why i think i don't relate well to pop culture these days that like it's just, all of it's just so foreign to me but still even then like that is overkill but she seems to like it and comes back i find that i um i think that um texting is not my forte so i think that online dating would be very hard for me if because I am not very good on text. I, I, I just think about the mo in terms of this movie. Yeah, yeah. If it were another... Yeah, yeah. You know, 30-whatever years later, if you redid it now. And there's been a few. What was the... Uh, wasn't there the movie with the guy from... You told me about it, the Game of Thrones guy? Yeah, but that wasn't a modern day. It was like a... 
period piece. Was it a period piece? Yeah. I, I didn't. I, I would just be curious if somebody, again, because nothing's Peter, new. Peter Dinklage was in the 2001 Cyrano. So if they, you know, again, since there's nothing new and they're probably going to remake this movie any time now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, right. I mean, you know. Well, hey. I mean, they use the trope so often. They do call it the Cyrano trope. Yeah. It is used all the time. I'm sure you could name a hundred different um, times that you've seen it in media. I mean, so. Yeah. Where, where the ugly friend helps the good looking dude get the girl. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. So I, I would just, it, you know, but again, I guess. For and the, you said ugly dude, good looking girl. I've seen the reverse happen yes. too. So, you know, um, but yeah, then I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that would, how that would work. Um, she, um, so she says she loves Chris from the letters. Roxanne does. And even if he were, even if he were ugly um she's she's telling chris this and chris we've seen is already part of the reason why he wanted to see her so soon when she got back um was not because he had feelings for her he, he went, was he was telling her he was splitting with sandy for yes, Rita. They're, they're, they're leaving to go to tahoe <laughs> um and so that was his intention although he still tries to sleep with her, even though he's got Sandy on the line too. Yeah, you it know, was that I for was somebody like, that was so bad with women before. Now he fancies himself a player. Yeah, it was it was not great. Um, <laughs> um, so um, Chris eventually leaves, and then Dixie drops the letter from. I'm putting in air quotes, Chris. That's really from Charlie. Um, well, they're all from Charlie. Really. Right, but um, he, she has his last letter that he right. didn't finish. And so right. she drops it by to Roxanne. Um, and so... Um, so she, Rox- she writes on... The, I love what she writes on the back of that. Though. Yeah, we'll get to that. So she, uh, Roxanne ends up calling Charlie to come over because she is like, um, Hey, I got... I got two letters from Chris today. <laughs> right? One's like, peace out. I'm going with Sandy. <laughs> yeah. In typical check yes or no fashion. Yeah, exactly. And then the other one is um, is from the same guy that's been writing her the letters the whole time. It's the same, same handwriting. It's the same... Um, Syntax and 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 patterns of speech and and the all fancy that. vocabulary yeah, and yeah. beautiful beautiful descriptions of her. Except on the back it says. <laughs> By the way, this is from Charlie's been writing these. <laughs> yes. So Dixie wrote a note on the back, letting her know that Charlie's been writing these. And so, but then um, Roxanne immediately gets mad. So like on the one point, like I kind of understand that why she gets mad, but on the other point, like girl, you were you were kidding your. Well, for time. somebody that's so smart, how do you not know he's so dumb? And also, you knew the whole time. You were telling yourself otherwise because you knew from the weird date situations. You knew from the different voice that you right. called out. Like, you knew what was yeah. going on yeah. here. Well, she's not the first woman to be in denial. Yeah, definitely in denial. <laughs> um, and so, anyways, they get in a big fight. And, um, and then... Charlie ends up leaving, um, and he goes to the um, to the firehouse. But then he starts. Well, he's walking towards, I think, the firehouse, and he starts smelling something 
weird. And I thought this whole thing was weird. I was like, is this supposed to be a play on his large nose? Yeah. It was, I didn't think that was that funny. <laughs> well, I, I think it was just bringing it full circle that, you know, this incomp, you know, because throughout the thing, the, the fire department is so incompetent that but here he's they're never been the incompetent part no but right. but you know here for something that he saw as a weakness throughout the film now all of a sudden you know it's it's for good so anyways they they um he ends up finding this building that's on fire and it was the barn with the cow yes the barn with the cow and they end up um, putting out the his fire department ends up coming and they end up putting out the everybody fire. synchronized and they they've save got the their cow. music it's yep. great they do such a wonderful job yeah when when they've been the equivalent of the keystone cops throughout the yeah the, throughout with, the movie with a with a, tr- a fire in the trash can of their own establishment <laughs> uh, earlier in the movie so it's you know so they finally put out the fire and um Charlie talks to Dixie, and Dixie's like, I mean, you, you should have been you the whole, you should have told her, you know? Yep. Like, yep. And so then he goes home, and he's just sitting on the roof, and Roxanne comes to his house reciting the letters that Charlie wrote. Um, so she has come to tell him that she loves him. Aww. And he parkours down to the ground, and they kiss. And um, then they're locked out of his house, which is a callback to the original. To the original. Yeah, um, but then he says he has a key. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, and then there's a comet in the sky, and presumably it's her comet, and that is the end of the movie. Roll the credits. Okay. Yep. Yeah. The, the guy, he gets the girl. He gets the girl. Always good when the movie's in when they get the girl. I don't, I don't like all, you know, sometimes sad endings are fine, but I like a good, nice ending wrapped up like that. What's interesting about that is that um, in the original Cyrano, I don't know because I've never read it or watched it but i don't believe that he gets the girl in really the original. i didn't know i don't know i i'll have to i need to probably follow up on that i probably shouldn't be like saying that on i podcast. do have one bit of follow-up from previous oh what's that fred willard was worth about five million dollars when he died mark hamill's worth almost 20 million oh well so. i guess it is better to be <laughs> in one big thing but how often is somebody in a Star Wars type thing? Very, yeah, no, yeah, right? That's like the comet, right? Once in a lifetime. But, you know, if you were just picking, you know, to, to have an, to me, to have that one iconic role that you will be remembered for well after, well after you're gone, to me, that's, you know. I just think of it as being like the highs are very high and the lows are very low. And I'd probably like to be more like Fred Willard and be steady. Yeah. Well, I do think, I do have some follow-up questions for you on this movie. Sure. Do you think he eventually got a nose job? <laughs> so, um, he I mean, does... that's, that's, that's mentioned in the film. Yeah. And frankly, it wouldn't be that hard for him to just get a nose job. Yeah. Like all this angst. And he is one bout of plastic surgery away from having it all. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. What's really funny about that is I read a trivia thing that said that um, one of the cards that he holds up at the doctor's... Was his actual... Yes, was his actual nose. Was his actual nose. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've, always, I've always thought, you know, like, it's like, well, why didn't he just get it fit? Like, I, I don't... Maybe it's... Do you, you know, again, I was a kid, you know, I wasn't very old back then, but was maybe plastic surgery wasn't as acceptable as it, like, I feel like plastic surgery is just like, 
people are way more have, open with it nowadays. Well, but also if you had his nose, I don't think anybody would give you a hard time for getting plastic. No, but I just meant maybe it. it was more acceptable, accceptable nowadays. I, I, I just feel I feel like I feel like now if people need work, they go get work. Well, I think you, you're right on the accessible part. I think it was probably a lot more expensive then, and maybe it wasn't as good then as they are now. Yeah, and, but again, I think, and I don't think there's as much stigma to it nowadays as there may have no, been back no. then. Because I think now, again, I think the, the overriding philosophy now is if you need work, it, you know, it, it, if the barn door needs painting, you paint it, right? Well, I, I think it's more of a like you're good the way that you are, but if you would feel better about yourself then go ahead and get it done. You know right. what I mean? Like, But if you're getting it done because of societal pressures and because you think it's going to magically fix everything in your life, maybe rethink that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do think it's more... I think there's a lot less stigma to it these days. Yeah. I think, I think people, you know, I think the advancement... So, you know, but again, I... So, I... I don't know. I've just, I, that just, I've always wondered, so did he get it fixed or did she, like, you know, at some point she's smart. She's good looking. She's going to, she's going to want to take control of that relationship and mold him into being what she wants him to be. <laughs> okay. Right. So maybe, maybe. So, you know, I, so she, she's going to be like, my guy, I love you. Let's do something. About I'd like, well, the- and, and I don't necessarily think that's bad. Right. I mean, you know, all men start out as very rough models. And it's only, you know, a lot of times our significant others end up cleaning up a lot of bad habits. I mean, you know, I I, I think uh, that's true I, for a lot of dudes. I think maybe sanding some edges is okay. Sanding some but edges. But I think major reworking is... Well, I, again, I just, I, I just, you know, I, you know, I just think in my mind, you know, if they've been together for 10, 15 years... I don't know. Well, the problem that he has, and he has it early on in the movie, it's one of the beginning scenes when he meets Roxanne, is that it, his nose actually does get in the way. He can't even drink a glass of wine yeah, exactly. because his nose gets in the way. Right. He asks for a It's straw. not even purely cosmetic. Yeah, it's almost exactly. functional to a certain exactly. extent. Which so. I think, you know... Get it done yeah. if you want to, but like also don't feel pressure about it. I agree. All right. Do you think they stayed together? Do you think they got married? Now that's the question. I don't know. I don't know. Will she be happy in a small mountain town with a fire chief? That's well, seen. she was already there. Right, I mean, but only temporarily because it was a good spot for a telescope to see that comet. That's true. She was she was getting her PhD, if I'm not. But, I mean, here's the other thing. If, you know, if she's the PhD and the, got the big job and needs to move, then why doesn't he move with her? No, he's happy in his little fire town doing his fire chief work. He's not going to be able to have that same. Well, I think that comes he's down. He's after he had to leave Dixie and he I think that's a mayor. Com- that's a conversation that they would have to have with so, each other. Well, I don't know. So, right, but I'm just because, saying. Because, like, you can be a fire chief anywhere, right? I don't think so. Not if you, not if you, not if she's in a large, large metro. Like, you know, I think if she, Arizona, I'm assuming, you know. She's a. They um, don't have firefighters. What well, they do, but I'm saying she would either be in some a larger city like a Phoenix or Flagstaff or Arizona, or somewhere like where Arizona State is. So it's not as easy just to come from a small fire department. You just don't automatically get a transfer over like that. So I don't know. I don't know. I can't. Maybe he did go with. It. I, like I said, I don't know. I'm just curious to you know. It it seems like two while they hit it off at a certain level, it seems like two very different backgrounds to know if they would. If they could make that last forever, because uh, it seemed like they were also on very different trajectories. So I was just curious. 
if you thought so what do you think they stuck together i don't know i don't know i didn't even think about it really <laughs> yeah no i always wondered you never watched movies and wonder if the couples last Maybe sometimes, but most of the time, probably no. Oh, I always wonder. <laughs> That's an answer. Uh, answer. I for guess you. to me, I don't think that a relationship is always best defined by how long it's uh, it lasts. Do you know what I mean? Like, of course, a very long loving relationship is like the gold standard, right? But just because. If they didn't last because things happened with their careers and whatever, whatever, if they still loved each other and still had a healthy relationship, it's still a good All relationship. Right. This podcast is going too long for us to get into Tom and Giselle. <laughs> <laughs> I was we will have to save. We are going to have to save this for a different day. I feel like we're coming back to this. I was not even implying that. <laughs> I feel like we're we're coming full circle. I was specifically saying I'm they could still look back on that relationship with fondness, even if it didn't work out. I'm I'm wondering if all relationships can't go back to Tom and Giselle. Oh goodness. (laughs) Anyways, um, so that is the end of our podcast. Uh, We encourage you to go make some popcorn.